0: you never really know when people are going to say yeah i mean the whole paul gray thing is like on paper that's ridiculous there's no way they're gonna do that he did it and it sounds amazing i've never ever regretted making those decisions i mean the thing down at hardy and nance nobody's done it there before i don't think maybe they won't do but it sounded amazing and it looked amazing nobody offered me that if you want to do something and it isn't quite working then maybe do it yourself if a gig isn't coming up then maybe you You do the gig, you become the promoter. So, a lot of the whole ethos there is just take control of it and do it yourself. It's either going to work or it's not.
1: Philip, thanks for joining us today on the Mm -hmm. Songwriters Next Time podcast. I want to start there. Like, you, this will get into your history for sure because you are calling these not chips. These are crisps. These are crisps. But, man, tell me about your love affair with salt and vinegar. Crisps.
0: Well, it's going to come very apparent very quickly. That I'm a, an English guy, so uh, sort of salt and vinegar is uh, a staple of the English fish and chips. You know, I've been over here for a few, quite a few years now. I think 16, 16 years this time. That's one of the things you miss. I do like the uh, kettle crisps, oh, chips. Definitely. Although the bags over here are way too big, you know. Oh, you, for real? You should have a, you should have a little <laughs> small titchy bag, you know. I put a lot of weight on since I came over here. They're the... so
1: addicting, man. It's yeah. like, we we'll shout yep. out Cape Cod kettle cooked potato chips here. So well, You mentioned earlier when we were just talking and setting up for the show that you literally came to the States when you were 35, 36? Yeah, 35, 36. Like Take us back. The usual question that I start with is, like, when did music... Either being a musician or being a songwriter or both, when did that first, you know, have an impact on you?
0: It started quite young, I suppose, you know, so I'm from the northwest of England, a place called Darwin, which is maybe 30, 35 miles north of Manchester, a uh, working class blue collar lo- location. And probably uh, as I moved into what you would call high school here, maybe, so 11, the schools are much smaller the guy that was the first tutor when we moved into the first first cl- lesson, as it were, the first class, um, he was new, he was the music teacher, and I must have been messing around tapping on the desk or something. He said, I need a drummer in the brass band. Mm. I went, yeah, yeah, okay. And the schools are much smaller and we don't have big orchestras, but again, in that area of the country, essentially the music was, was around brass, you know, brass bands, and, and mm-hmm. it, it is quite a traditional thing. Um, so I started doing that and that was, I was okay at that. But then around the same time, the whole punk thing in the UK hit. It, it, it sort of changed the dynamic in that in the, the musician or musicians were maybe quite out of reach. I mean, it was all prog rock and, you know, virtuoso type stuff seemed to be prevalent. Mm. But suddenly you realised, actually anybody, we we can do this. Uh, and, and there was almost the amateurish nature of it. Suddenly, realised that we can all do this. Mm. And suddenly, in the in the in the school and uh, in the area, everybody seemed to be in a band. The fact that there was all, I had access to a drum kit and had done a little bit in in the brass band. You know, it seemed just natural to to join a band. And it was literally, well, I'll go and buy a bass and I'll play bass. And I'll go. And, do you know? Do we know this kid with the guitar down at the end of the street. Mm-hmm. and and for probably three years, four years maybe even, we'd rehearse, mainly doing cover versions, but writing songs almost from day one. Oh, wow. And nobody, we could never get a singer, nobody, somebody, yeah, I'll come and sing and then standing in front of three of us and not have the bottle to actually do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up doing the, quite a lot of the singing as well.
1: From the drum kit?
0: From the d- drum kit. Okay,
1: that's awesome.
0: Which, initially, and, and the t- style of music, so the, by the time we did our first gig, so I was, I'd left school at, the, at that point, by 17, uh, we did our first gig. We'd been rehearsing for three years, and we you know everything was tight, and we, you know, we had four or five of our originals, and we had some cover versions. Yeah. And we do the live thing, and the absolute nerves cut in and... Hmm. Everything fell to pieces, but it still sounded okay as far as punk yeah. punk stuff goes. Right, right, right. And it was a sort of second wave, really, so there was more, you know, another another set of punk bands a, a, a around, and we were covering a few of those things, songs. But it was just, that first gig, just the bug was there.
1: That's a good way to explain it. It's like this, this bug or something that gets inside mm. of you that really, because especially performing live, man, I think back at like the first time that I picked up a bass and played with a drummer at a mm. church, and all I could do was da na 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 on one string, you know? Mm. And then all my drummer friend could do was just, just like... But the way that that feels, mm. you know, like, that's addicting. It's like a drug.
0: It is you know when you I mean? when you sort of all connect. We had a bit of a, a, a sort of a routine. I think we rehearsed once a week in the guitarist guy's uh, living room. His parents had disappeared, and we'd have to move all the ornaments off because they all rattled and fell on the floor. Mm-hmm. We'd go down on the bus down to a, a local... Um, Music shops so or records downstairs, musical instruments upstairs, and you go and sort of, wow, well, when are we going to be able to afford that? Yeah, And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, normally yeah. one of us would buy an album, you know, so the vinyl album, and, and the various bands, you know, the, the Damned, Pistols, Sham Sixty Nine, the Skids. I mean, so the you know, and one of us we get back, we'd listen to the album, and then we rehearse, and that we sort of like said, did that for probably three or four years. Um. But it's very informative and and then we just carried on doing that for quite a while, mm-hmm. you know, in and out doing a bits of recording, like I mentioned earlier, the first recording place we went to was a sort of a hobby recordist on quarter inch tape It's the first time I played with a click track, which I found very difficult really <laughs> yeah, found it really I found cool. it very limiting, yeah and I mentioned I was sort of a bit of an organic drummer, I'm actually pretty bad at keeping time, which I recognise is a fundamental thing for a drummer.
1: <laughs> but what uh, you mean by that is like going more about like your feeling and how you feel in yeah, yeah. music. Yeah,
0: and the fact that I started singing and drumming essentially at the same time, the thought process or the, or the conscious thought tended to focus on the vocal and the lyric and remembering the lyric and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and also right from day one, I would write the vocal melody without even understanding that I'm actually writing it. It was just a subconscious, right, this is how the words fit in and mm. this is, th- these are the vocal notes that are complementing what else is going on. Only until quite recently, I've, I actually realised that um, I wasn't just following what the guitar was doing. In fact, I was bloody-mindedly not following what the guitar was doing or the bass was doing. Mm. I was doing something <laughs> different. And again, that was a to be a, so just a subconscious automatic response to how i how i did it and that essentially i didn't write any lyrics i didn't write any 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 musical melodies i just did you know i got the lyrics and and i made them fit Mm. and i made the vocal fit uh uh the the, you know the vocal melody fit and we did that for quite a while and recorded a few things and but the band kept kept moving through and it got to a point where we were gigging probably mid-80s and and it was going well. We, were, you know, we were sounding good, and we'd done quite a bit of recording. But I was still the drummer, sat at the back. You know, you weren't headlining much; you'd play in pubs and stuff. And people were like, where, "Where's that sound coming from?" Oh, it's that guy at the back. <laughs> so there was a conversation where we needed we either need a new drummer or a new singer. Yeah. And I thought, well, I quite like this singing thing. I don't want to give that up. So I hmm. stepped out. The first thing I noticed is the the vocal, because of the breathing issue that you you know you're drumming, which is a little you know. Funky oh. stuff is well, oh, yeah, you know, quite yeah. cardiovascular. Oh, yeah, 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 And singing. So, again, by default, I, I developed a pretty good lung capacity. Yeah. So when I've not got that phys- physicality of the drumming going on as well, I can hold a damn good note. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, I can start to sing. Cause I, I, naturally, I actually sing flat if I can't hear myself. So I was never really renowned as a particularly good singer. But it didn't really matter because of the style of stuff we were doing. Yeah. And the type of places you're playing, you, you know, the, 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 the fullback's never that great. Yeah. And I was having a ball anyway, so, you know, it's always been quite a selfish thing to me. So the whole scenario of stepping out from behind the kit and becoming a front man, I loved it. Yeah, absolutely hey, were loved. you
1: just singing at that point, or did you play guitar too? No, just singing. Okay. Just singing. Yeah, cool.
0: It ended up quite a while. I mean, we sort of into the, we we, we managed to get a a, a a local producer involved, a guy called Rex Sargent. And we went into Sweet Sixteen Studios, which used to be called Cargo. It's um, sort of on outskirts of Manchester, and it's one of those places where pretty much everybody's been to demo stuff. So Joy Division had been in there, and I think Peter Hook was a was a part owner at the time. We did a lock in over the weekend, um, recorded four or five songs, I think, and then we decided to try and put that out, and we put that out on our own label. We managed to get a distribution small distribution deal with a European. Distribution and then I started talking to pluggers. And one guy came back and said, "No, I'm not going to plug this, but I want to manage you." But um, the way the way we're going to do it is, I'll get the we'll get the deal first, and then based on just getting that deal, you, you know, we expect you to sign a management contract. So, uh, yeah, okay, too good to be two types thing, you know. Uh, we we never really had a manager. If every anytime we did sort of have somebody maybe looked at that, I ended up managing the managers. So not only was I doing the, the sort of the, the performers, I was you know I was hustling and getting the gigs, and you know I owned the van and we drove everybody around, and I think we bought mm-hmm. we bought half the PA and all that Which kind of stuff. Which probably
1: has lended itself to like helping you nowadays, because nowadays it's a lot about doing things independently and oh, like
0: yeah.
1: you know treating yourself like a business and just yeah. like yeah, I mean you probably put in a lot of work to yeah I think I
0: think the irony is that background side I was talking to the old guitarist from probably a couple of weeks ago back in the UK and he was saying yeah you were always very driven I think he wasn't actually yeah I was I must have been Mm -hmm. not that I felt like that but, Mm -hmm. but, but the fact that if we were going to get any gigs, I, w- I was getting them, you know, I probably pushed, you know, talking to the producer, I pushed putting the CD out, mm. I hustled to get the money together to get that, We, you know, somebody lent us the money yeah. and we, we made sure we paid them back. But And any gigs we were doing, you got you got paid a bit of money but we just all went back into paying for recording.
1: Well, I mean, you're talking about 30 years ago, right? It's like, I think that that has lended probably itself to like, now, you're still making music. You yeah. know, you're such a, uh, it seems like you're a driven person, you mm. know. Especially when it comes to your music, a lot of people, I think, may get discouraged, you know. Especially when they think about the numbers of how many people are putting out music, how many songs are out there. But if you don't love it, you're not going to stick with it. You know what I mean? Like, you're if you're not driven, if you're, yeah. if it's not that bug inside of you, then you're just going to give up.
0: Yeah, I you mean, if I mean? if you're thinking, right, I'll do this and then I'll get famous and then, then then I'll have a great life. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't. I think you're in it for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. The, the music is is a disease. I mean, you once you, it's like <laughs> once you, once you. I, I mean, I'm, I moved over to here. Uh, yeah. What
1: was that transition like from England? Now you're 35 and you're mm-hmm. transitioning. Like, what brought you to the states?
0: Ironically, I think the I was a toolmaker originally. I worked in a factory, and then I, I decided to do sort of marketing and business degree, okay. quite late, late-ish in life, so m- mid 20s, and. uh it was, the, it was the management side of the band and the hustling and the setting gigs up, and if the gigs weren't there, you'd promote your own gigs, you know, that, that kind of thing. I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. If things weren't working, I'd make it work by taking over that part of it. So all of that sort of lent itself quite well to me, you know, into sort of management and sales and project management, and I ended up coming over here sort of on the energy sector, really. In theory, I'd sort of put the band away sort of in 2000. I think it was the last time we played as a full band. Mm-hmm. And then we came over Can here. Can people
1: find that old punk stuff on um, iTunes? Or well, anything? at
0: that point, it wasn't. it sort oh, of yeah, evolved quite a lot. So yeah. the band, the band was called Russian for Money, and it was an old enough that 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 meant it, it was supposed to mean something. But I made that up after the fact. <laughs> it, it was just a weird. It was one of those list of names. We got a We got a decent support slot with UK subs, uh, and we were going to change the name. And it was it was like on the phone. What do you call them? Uh, I'm going to pick that. And we'd written it down, going we don't know what the Russian word for money is, we'll find that out. Yeah. So we wrote down Russian for money. and I, <laughs> then look, the, meaning, the
1: meaning came later. Looking
0: at all the lists, i thinking, <laughs> that's the best one, so on the phone. Right, we're called Russian for money. And that stuck. And, and it stuck for, you know, 20 years, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Talk about that transition from, from your history to where you are now.
0: So I came, came over here, and, and uh, I wasn't doing anything really, for maybe about six months. I started to go a bit stir-crazy. And as I said, that's that's where it's in the blood, and you 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 know, just need to do something. Else. So I bought a drum kit again, uh, and I just started playing at home, and that sort of took the edge off for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and actually, we we came we went back to the UK again, and, and, and I did a little bit more, you know, with the other old, old guys there. And then probably about four years later, we came back again, and then we've been here since. 2006 i think it is now and again i I did a little bit and in in the interim when i was back in the uk i worked out i could do open mic nights wherever i happened to be Mm -hmm. uh and i did a few just a cappella song and 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 essentially my own stuff yeah and i thought wait if i can teach myself guitar wow i mean that's it i could do this wherever
1: so you were like i got to learn an instrument so that i can just yeah make
0: my own stuff yeah i'd been around guitar so i understood guitars i picked up a guitar and i tried to teach myself on it. i just got very frustrated very quickly yeah for sure uh because i just couldn't get the fingering chord right and everything so it, so then that put it down a, a bit but i picked it up again and, and by the time i came back here i thought i had a guitar the excuse was it was i think it was a christmas present for for the boys to play around with but they mm. never got their hands on it mm. you know I, I kept kept all of it. You know, you get the rudimentary teach yourself guitar books, and mm-hmm. I got very really frustrated. So I stopped. I stopped it, and then I picked it up again and just started. Does that sound okay? Does that sound okay? Yes, no, yes, no. So even today, I really don't know what I play. You know, the musical theory, oh, the theory doesn't and exist. Stuff like that, yeah. Doesn't. I have no theory whatsoever. Gotcha. I think I know one or two of the notes or, or true root notes. Then the rest of it is just all. Does it sound good? Does it sound good? I love that. Because I had to concentrate on where where to place the fingers on mm-hmm. the left hand, I'd just slide. So it ripped my fingers to pieces. So I actually used I used the Elixir um mm. nanoweb, I think, now. So they're slightly better. But my fingers are like concrete on the end now anyway. Um, are you
1: interested in the music theory side? Do you think that that no. inhibits your creativity, or are you just like- Well,
0: actually, that's a good point. I do, I do believe so now. I recognise, or I feel, I have a limited repertoire. Hmm. In that, so you're not able to create what's going on in your head. Hmm. But I also use a lot of tricks. So I use a lot of different tunings, uh, capo, a lot of harmonics. Yeah. So essentially, I, I play the drum kit on the guitar. To the point that one one of the tracks that we we did with AJ down at the the session earlier this year was a a new song. Most of them were old songs i just rehearsed. Oh, okay,
1: okay.
0: And I really liked the lyric but didn't really have a tune for it. So I just hit the guitar. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Quite literally just, it was an open D, I think it was. I just tuned it to open D, a lot of reverb and distortion. Just smacked the guitar and then sang the vocal melody over the top. And it came out amazingly well. Mm. The annoying thing is I cannot replicate it.
1: <laughs>
0: And I've been that's trying funny. and trying because I've been you know, looking to do some, yeah. some live stuff and I'm thinking, I just can't do this. <laughs> so I need to work that out. So that is a limiting issue. It's a bit like, you know, that's the hard work part for me if I need mm-hmm. to go and learn the yeah. theory. Because of that, I actually don't think I'm a very good guitarist whatsoever. Mm. What I do take for granted is that the right hand, the rhythm side is actually very well advanced with the, with the, with the, well, you know, the drumming drummers, part. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, And particularly, if I noticed one of the things that, that came into this session that I, I, I did with uh, earlier the year, it was based on the fact that we were going to do, I was going to do a live streamed event from Numbers Nightclub. I read
1: that online that it, and it got cancelled last minute or something. Yeah, that's so it was
0: big. one of those things where somebody asked me to do it and I thought, okay, that's a bit weird. And I actually thought, okay, this... I'd be surprised if this goes ahead, but it forced me to pull a decent set together. It forced me to recognise, okay, there's. I need to add some more dynamics. I put a drum beat, uh, you know, and the drum beat's very purposely metronomic. Yeah, absolutely, the same thing all the way through. Uh, because I do tend to speed up, mm-hmm. you know, the, sure. the, the feel of the thing. And, and and certain songs are done. It's done on purpose. I like the dynamics. Could I? I pl- you have to play around with the dynamics because I've got a limited technical ability. Although I think that's again not necessarily a conscious thing. I think I've thought about that after mm-hmm. the fact. So yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of things I take for granted that I'm actually probably very good on the guitar as a rhythm guitarist. I'm definitely not a lead guitarist. Sure. You get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then the fact that you've got this drum beat that you can play against—that was a revelation to me—is because essentially I was playing acoustic guitar singer-songwriter style, and from my history, I know there's, you know, much more that I can play around with. I like, you know, I do like noisy stuff occasionally and, yeah, s- and yeah, things. Yeah. So I've got a, you know electric guitar and I, you know, crank that up and nice distortion occasionally. Mm-hmm. But the fact you could just play along about, against this drum beat and maybe just be dragging behind the beat or some syncopation around it just really opened it up to me yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and gave it a bit more dynamic. But it was that gig or that live streaming gig that forced me to, Put a set together. Mm. Then it got cancelled. Like, eh, okay.
1: So then you're like, what am I gonna
0: do now? Or like, yeah. And then you 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 put it away and I think, man, you know what? You know the way that I, I do things is okay if that if the gig's gone, do your own gig.
1: That hustler mentality. Yeah, yeah. Or, I don't like that word, but that driven mentality of yeah. like Do it. You know. Yeah. Just figure do, it just out. Some, just do it yourself. Keep, then. keep going forward.
0: And I think that goes back to the whole punk thing is that the whole attitude was just do do it yourself. Just pick the phone up and you know, make the calls and push and yeah. sometimes they're going to say yes and most of the time they're going to say no, but who cares? Right. You know, who cares? I thought, okay, I'd, and I'd seen a few of these, these stream things in a reaction to COVID and people mm-hmm. trying to do something and the quality just was pretty bad. The audio oh, yeah. quality and, yeah. and, and, the, and the technical glitches and sorry, I'm going to have to start that again. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I want to do that at least control the audio really well. So I I, I spoke to Josh Appleby, who I had been in contact before. Because one of the things about my solo stuff is I've always either been part of a band, and I've written lyrics for quite a long time now with the other band, and and done the vocal melody, but never done the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So the sitting down and writing a guitar part and then doing a vocal melody over the top became a bit weird because it was to the same lyric. Mm. So that's where where the realisation of I don't normally sing to the guitar part, Came. Okay. Well, again, it was a subconscious seemed to be a subconscious thing. Yeah. And then there's always this thing in the back of my mind: is I can't play guitar. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Is this a real song? Mm. Does this count?
1: Almost doubting yourself,
0: yeah. Yeah, and that's when I sort re- of uh, maybe two, two years ago, maybe three years ago, I reached out to Josh Appleby. Well, I reached out to um, um, David Garrick actually, who I'd met at a few gigs, uh, and I said, you know, if you're going to record. Stuff would you recommend, and he threw me a few names. and contacted Josh. Josh had listened to a few things, Says yeah, come in. And it was New Year's Day. Of, mm. of, uh, and I know he was, he was general manager at that point down at um, Sugar Hill. So he just went in, and he stuck a mic on me and said, yeah, play. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and he said, right, do another one. Do that one a bit faster. Do that one a bit slower. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll work with you. Okay, and that was it. That All I needed was, yeah, the songs, and maybe a bit of tweaking but not much he said actually my job's pretty easy i just press record so we did we did some session there and i never really did anything with it it just it just seemed to be a confidence booster that i'm on the right track right and i'm not some imposter if i don't tell anybody i can't play guitar then i might get away with it
1: i watched those live videos that you did and i did not pick up on the fact that like you are quote unquote a beginner guitar or anything like you know guitar player and they're like i didn't pick up on that so well, maybe that's I, encouraging to you
0: it's as i said the, the you build up some tricks if you really look you can say oh, hang on he's, he's doing the same thing again but he doesn't sound the same no and and uh one other thing i did notice with the videos when i've looked at them you can't really see what i'm doing anyway so it's who well and
1: that goes back to my mentality of like Okay, if the song can exist and if it can stand on its own two legs mm. because it's a good song, maybe it connects emotionally or just like if it connects and it's good, I think it can get past all the technical aspects. Oh, what kind of guitar is that, or like what mm. chord is that, or like anything like that? It's just, is this that's what I'm chasing after is good songs, mm. you know? And, and, and I really don't have to be. My favorite songs. They just can be, I can just hear something and either connect with it and yeah. be like, okay, there's something there. Yeah.
0: There's,
1: maybe, maybe that's what that guy Josh sensed when you played for him. It's just like, okay, yeah, there's something there. I connect with that. You know, it's hmm. so that's, that's the whole, that's what I like about music is the fact that like if it's good, it can kind of stand on its own yeah. and kind of get away from, oh, I only know three chords. You know, so many. Hit songs have been written with three chords, yeah, yeah.
0: you know what I mean and actually uh, it sort of detracts i think it's human nature to focus on, yeah, this is you know this is not good, this part's not good, but it detracts from the fact that I actually think I write pretty good lyrics, and vocally, I'm actually uh, you know I think I'm pretty good yeah. yeah and and my range
1: yeah, you have a strong voice,
0: I used to use my falsetto a lot live, but never recorded with it weirdly. So I, I think that the, those aspects of it I'm very comfortable with. And lyrically, I struggle honing those. Mm. I like wordplay. There's certain tricks I used to use. Do
1: you feel like you have to keep refining and refining and refining until you get to a place where you like your lyrics?
0: Yes. Some songs just come and, um, uh, like I was saying, that song where I just hit the guitar, I really like that lyric. That lyric came very quickly. Mm. There was certain wordplay in there that I really, really did like. There was no verse chorus. There was It was just me getting that out in a, in a certain way. It was almost like a poem with a to a, a vocal melody and then quite literally me hitting the guitar. And I really like how it came out. And I'm very annoyed I can't replicate it. But there are some songs where the verse is great, the first chorus, the you know, first verse is great, the chorus is great, the, the, the story is you know, where I want it to be, but I just can't get the second verse right. Mm. And I've done multiple versions.
1: I've found that verse 2 is where you can either lose people or it can enhance. When yeah. I get to verse two of all, a lot of my productions, I'm like, what can we do here that kind of makes this special again? Mm. You know, because we're going back to another section that has already been done melodically or whatever Yeah, often. Yeah. So I, I, I resonate with that.
0: Yeah. Then the other thing is, is lyrically, I like wordplay. I tend to do a, a, a run-on. I'm not sure if that's the correct te- technical term, but, you know, there's certain... Um, not necessarily, you know, the 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 rhyming couplet thing, but it, the, I like the way that it scans. But I'll do a run on where, where the where the the sort of sentence, as it were, carries on in the next line, and you push you push things around a little bit. And a lot of the time, I write to music. I'll just get something going. I'm, I'm very comfortable with a very monotonous,
1: just let it loop or something, loop, or
0: just, mm-hmm. um, sort of almost industrial background, mm. and I will write over the top of it. That's how we used to write with the guys in the band you know they'd come up with a riff I said just keep doing that just keep doing that and I'd just go with it and you end up maybe finding the vocal melody first and then a a line or a couple of words would click in you go okay well what's that talking about what is that and you you then it's almost like
1: your subconscious creates something and then your job is to figure out yeah how to refine what what you're trying to say yeah exactly
0: or what is that and and so there's they tend to be theoretical stories that are quite vivid in my head but i tend to be pretty concise in the in the way that I, the lyric mm-hmm. tries to convey that and actually i uh, quite recently I had a bit of a crisis not not a crisis but you you started to think well the way that when i'm performing these i have this extremely vivid mental picture mm. that enhances my experience you know the words Lay over the top of that, but the per- person listening to it, particularly for the first time, hasn't got all that reference that I've got in my head. Right, and right, am I right. am I doing a decent enough job of, of conveying what it is I'm conveying? Even now, I mean, and it it has cropped up a few times recently. I did a I did a little gig thing down at Hardy Studios at the weekend. The audio shouldn't have worked, but it sounded amazing. But it mm. definitely it was right at the end of a long corridor. Oh, interesting. And visually, I've uh, probably five years ago I, th- I thought that would be a great place to play. hmm it might sound bad, but it looks amazing. I made it work, and, and part of that is that the, the front cover of the album that's coming out is, is a photograph of an artist, who, Claire Richard, who, who basically runs Hardy and Nance now. Okay. Um, and so she very kindly allowed me to take a photograph and use that. So there's a good tie-up there. And it wasn't a gig. Nobody was really expecting it. People weren't expecting it because it's not been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody from that mentioned the emotional connection and it still surprises me hmm. when people, well, how have they got it? How, how, does, how does that happen? How does me, you know, saying a few words to a bit of a tune convey that emotional mm-hmm. aspect? It mm-hmm. still surprises me. Mm-hmm. When you first start, you sort of write poems almost and it's a bit route one. I'm feeling amazing, I'm feeling amazing. <laughs> right. um, there's a lyric, that, there's quite an old lyric, sort of one of the original songs I wrote on guitar which was literally a finger position and I just slid up and down the neck the entire song and didn't move my fingers again you know just yeah just ripped so, the, yeah. my fingertips to pieces <laughs> but the line on that one is uh, he walked into the bar alone with no intention of changing that and that's what eight words the reason I like that is that in, in my opinion it seems to convey a lot of things and sets a scene mm-hmm. but as I said in my mind I know what that bar was, because that was me. And in, in, in this certain period of time, where sure. I'd walk into that bar, I'd get a beer, and I'd go and sit in the corner, and don't come and talk to me. You know, just just going through various things in your life. And every time that work, that you know that that thing comes up, I've got I've got the advantage of all of that. -hmm. You know, mental picture in my head. And sometimes you've got to take a step back and say, well, if you take away all that and it's just me singing those, how is that conveying anything really? Yeah, I step back and I take a look and think, oh, does that, does it work? Does it say in the right, does it tell the right story I'm wanting to tell? And then equally, so what? You know, sometimes I just say, well, you know, people are going to take what they want from it.
1: Right. And that's true too. Like you may mean it one way and then someone hears it and may take it another way. And Yeah. That's you know, kind of the, the beautiful magic too of songs. Yeah. When I talk about like where does the inspiration for your music come from, does it come from those, just your life and kind of what you're experiencing over, or is it just literally the muse of this idea that's coming about and then you just go with it?
0: I think anybody who knows me on a, on a personal level would say I'm, I'm pretty easy going, got a pretty good sense of humour and, mm-hmm. you know, quite even keel. Lyrically, I'm a, it's pretty dark. Uh, uh, so I think it's, a, it, over the years, it's become a, a, um, a sort of a coping mechanism, a way of coping with stress, you know, just normal life. Sure. And it's been very healthy in that respect. Yeah. And, and weirdly, when I was doing live stuff in the band and I didn't have, you know, an instrument, it was just me and a microphone and a microphone stands... Occasionally, you could really freak out. I mean, you could really go crazy. And the fact that you're on a stage, it's not expected, but it's not unexpected. Yeah. You're given permission right. to be able to be yes. the crazy man in the corner. Yeah. It's incredibly cathartic when you do that. Yeah. Subconsciously, I've been able to filter things into that creative space mm. and allow myself to be darker and, and, and depressed and depressing lyrically
1: you feel like the songs that you've been writing have have been helping you cope emotionally with oh yeah just with yeah. your stresses and just different lifestyle
0: yeah i mean yeah.
1: there's been a lot of stresses in life stuff the last couple yeah of i years. mean like
0: life throws up all sorts of things i mean just everybody's got the various things to cope with sometimes more more acute than others quite a few years ago I had a convers- conversation with my wife and she said it's not about me no it's not it's not about you and it's genuinely not it is a genuinely sort of a feeling and and a, and a what is this What is this particular st- phrase, what is it mm. pointing to? I mean, there's a song that we, I do called um, Standing in the Rain, which sort of evolved into one of those sort of dystopian type movie things. And, and quite mm. recently, I was trying to work out a, a description for it for Bandcamp. In fact, I think when the video went up on YouTube, and I called it a, an Orwellian love song. Mm. You know, sort of 1984 type scenario. And it's those kind of things that... I'm not sure if it's chicken and egg, but you know, you, you start to it starts to evolve, and then lyrically evolved into the into the, a bit more along those lines. I'm normally f- trying to find out what it, what is this talking about, mm-hmm. and and they are little stories, so it's not really real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think the emotional side behind it is one or two steps behind. I think yeah. that's an accurate yeah. assessment.
1: Is your songwriting process is it um more of a disciplined act or are you kind of going when you're inspired or is it a little bit of both
0: It's mostly just very um ad hoc you know I don't yeah. I don't I'm not a proponent of quantity and I actually do recognize that philosophically that that there is a benefit mm-hmm. You know the, the if you get into a habit of doing things on a, on a much regular basis, you sort of evolve a, a little bit quicker i am not say I've resisted that it's just I just haven 't found that yeah, that works for me.
1: how that works for you
0: yeah you know I have a a, a sort of partner in the space down in at uh, francisco's and i'll go down there quite regularly and, and most recently, i suppose this year after we sort of particularly after we uh, re- really refined the the session. Mm-hmm. Um, that we, do, we recorded early in the year, I just go down and almost primal scream. You just work, crank it up high volume. You're not worried about anybody complaining. The you know the neighbours of the family going what are you doing? Mm. Uh, and just just really cranking it out. Yeah, I've been hitting a lot of falsetto stuff, almost yeah. operatic. Yeah, uh, against drum beats. Nice. And and I'm just. Just in an element, I mean, they're almost hypnotic. I hypnotize myself, you know. Mm. Just keep doing the same mantra over like ten minutes. Mm. It's almost like um, mindfulness t- mm. to some degree. And then things start to evolve, and you think, okay, that's that's a lyric, and I'll maybe jot it down, or I'll c- do a quick recording. But it takes me a long time to write, or very quickly. Sometimes things just just happen really quick, really right. fast. Sometimes
1: it just flows out. Yeah. So you said that you have a project that. Mm. it's coming out I, th- I believe I saw December or it's yeah. coming out in a month or so right
0: yeah so we go back to that numbers gig um, and then I made a decision to go back to Josh and asked him to record it and he suggested at that point I think he's more freelance so he, he suggested going to Wire Road studio so we made an appointment uh, I think it was, the for- it was the 14th of November last year and we were going to go in and we were just going to record it live I knew at that point we'd have very good control of the audio mm-hmm. but it had you know the the live performance was down to me, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was where the the they were you know I really rehearsed it, and that was going to be streamed live on Facebook. So I sort of sort of set that up. But what happened then uh, is that my my mother, who'd been sort of suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's, got ill very quickly, and mm-hmm. she actually died that day. But I'd already cancelled it, and I was trying to get back to the UK, wasn't able to do that. Virtually, we with her. My, my my siblings were in the room, and I and I was sort of virtually in the room when she died, which was mm-hmm. early morning on the fourteenth. So I always got put put to one side, just just forget it. Yeah, you know? like I said, life. Yes. you know, life comes up on you. I think that whole process of coming to terms with my mother's death and, and the way that she would supported all of us in lots of things. I mean, my you know, we were all pretty creative in the way we do and we've gone after what we want to do. It seemed to me that I needed to do something more with these songs and it took a few months but then sort of march March time i I reached out to josh again so i want to do this again but i don't want to do it as a live stream i'd made a decision that i wanted to have much more quality control over the whole thing and i wanted the whole video and that's i got introduced to aj right um i reached out to JBZ. I said, who, who would you recommend? And he mentioned AJ. He mentioned, uh, you know, because I wanted the whole thing videoed. Uh, Josh was going to look after all of the audio side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just made a decision I was going to release one song a week, once we were ready, yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And then ev- eventually the full session. We worked on that, planned on that. I think it was end of April we went in, had four hours booked, and did the whole thing in that four hours. That's awesome. Uh, in fact, the re- I think the recording session was only 90 minutes.
1: Are those recordings the ones that are coming out in December or is the December project a different...? No, same project. Okay, so that's so, all one thing. Okay. So
0: essentially all of those songs, there were seven songs that we managed. I think I had nine ready and we just went for it. Uh, and and it was like, well, do you just want to play it through everything once and then play everything again? And I said, well, I'm changing guitars. Let's just play each song twice.
1: That's hard to do a live thing like that. It's pretty impressive. Well, uh,
0: a few people have said that to me, but I, I don't... You didn't feel that way? I don't think that's hard. Okay. In the liner notes, I suppose, of the... of the, It's turned into an album now. is I, I genuinely wanted to capture more of the essence of it than mm-hmm. this needs to be perfect.
1: I recently did a, uh, a project with a guy at a studio in Magnolia, Red Tree Studios, and it was a great project where he had me come in and play bass. He wanted the feeling of a live band. So literally the drums are in another room, and then literally it was bass, acoustic... He's singing and playing electric, and then we had mm. a keyboard player, and he also had a guy come in and do the video of it. But yeah. he just wanted the he did overdubs on the vocals at the end of the process. Mm. But he literally was like, "I just want that experience of a band playing a song again," you know, because mm. you know how we make music these days yeah. is very yeah. different than that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we we piecemeal it together. You know, yeah. um, but I just I, I I love that energy. I love that of just going for it and like, okay, we're gonna. I'm going to play this two times, and it's going to be what it is. Yeah. You know? And as
0: it turned out, the second, the second versions of each song worked out, worked out better. And some of them I, I just made a tweak. I, I, you know, the guitars sound particularly the electrics. Now nah, I don't like that. I'm just going to switch that, move that switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds better. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and there are mistakes in there. Sure. Vocally, there's some maybe a few dodgy notes, but actually, I'm actually quite comfortable with the the humanity of that. Yes. There's some glitches you can hear, occasionally you can hear the sort of the creaking of the guitar strap and but it was it, it was exactly what I wanted to do. It, it captured it exactly the way I wanted to do it mm-hmm. because what had happened while I was going through the rehearsal space and, and going for it, you know, full p.n. And, and it sound it sounded amazing. And I'm thinking nobody's ever seen this. Particularly the the tracks where I I did to the drum beat because that was sort of adding a different Dynamic, and I knew I needed to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, no, no. And it and it was a revelation to me when I did that. So that was where the session was, and the, and that was where the plan should have stopped. Do this, get them out on video, and 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 work with that, and and we did individual tracks. Then after the fact, so Josh had done a little, you know, did a bit of mixing on it. I mean, the, the song where I'm hitting the guitar, he had his work cut out because the volumes were all over the place. You know, it was the dynamic range of the guitar sounds. It was either just me tapping on the body and the, or me just smacking everything. So it it, it really overwhelmed the whole thing. Sure. So we did a lot of, well, not a lot of work, but a bit, a bit of work on that. And then it, it occurred to me, uh, I'm a massive fan of The Damned, and we're talking about this, the whole punk thing. So the, the punk thing in the UK, there's sort of three main bands that kicked off, the Sex Pistol, The Damned and The Clash. All at the same time, The Damned got the first single out. And I've always been a, more of a Damned fan than the, the other two, to be fair. There's a guy called Paul Gray who played on their third and fourth album, so the Black Album and, um, sorry, the fourth and fifth album, the Black mm-hmm. Album and the Strawberries. Very distinctive style. And I'd seen something in the corner of my eye on you know on social media that he was for doing session work and may be interested. And I contacted him. And he said, yeah. And I went, what? <laughs> okay. And in fact, he not only did he say, he said, hmm, these are a bit weird, your voicing and, in- chord progressions are unusual I'm thinking well it's because I don't know what I'm doing um I need to think about these he's, he's stretching me a little bit you know he said he'd do it so essentially he recorded two the tracks that had the drum beat because I hadn't deviated on speeding you know I'd messed around a little bit with the syncopation but I you know the, the beat was there he said let me have a play around with those and he sent, sent some ideas I said yeah they sound great and he said, you know, maybe they're a bit over the top. I'm thinking, it's Paul Gray. I want it to be over the top, you know. I want people to be able to listen to go. that sounds like Paul Gray. So then we got that sorted out, and I gave that, you know, Josh mixed that in, and it just sounds unbelievable. I can't, I can't even imagine the songs without that bass line mm. in there. And, then, and they're
1: It did sound cool. I heard that one.
0: They're, they're, they're all over. You know, it's, it's Paul Gray all, all over. So it's, I mean, that's a, a childhood hero, that's cool, yeah. From an era of, of the band that is, you know, one of my, you know, I think those two albums were in my top ten, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, playing on songs I'd written. And it's like, wow, well, this is, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. And then in that. the middle of that, you know, I, I think I contacted AJ. I said, uh, you know those videos you're doing? Yeah, stop. We've got, <laughs> we've got another mix of sure. the sound. So the way we did it, obviously he'd recorded sound in the room. Um, but the audio, you know, the audio on the videos up on YouTube yeah. is the actual mixed audio. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the whole thing was, well, actually, that came out that well. Maybe this is maybe this is the album, because I wanted to do an album for my 50th birthday, and that came and went. Mainly quality control. I thought I could have done it, but it wasn't. The song quality wasn't there, in my mm. opinion. And I contacted a, a, a guy that we'd worked with before. I was a drummer in a Houston band called the Texas Mod Crushers. Okay. And we'd released a single with a... a, a a record label in New York, Indian label called uh, Toy Beach Records, and I kept in call, uh, contact with the, the guy, the owner, Walt, and I mentioned it to him. and said, Would you be interested in sticking this? And he said, Yeah, I would. So we've got a, a, a limit, a very limited edition, hundred run uh, vinyl album. Oh, cool. It's coming out on CD as well, and it's up on Bandcamp. So uh, the vinyl market is a bit weird now, in that the, the lead times are crazy. I, I bet, think, yeah. I don't. Uh, part partially COVID, and then I think everybody's trying to trying to get the merch table full for all the you, you know the the tours next year. Mm-hmm. So the backlog on vinyls crazy. So it was a fifteen week backlog, uh, but that was the fastest turn we could get. And uh, as I said, I, I contacted Claire and I managed to get a photograph for the cover. That's another thing of the, the control side of it. Is, is I like doing all that part. You know, visually, I used to do all the posters. Uh, at my, do quite a bit of photography myself as well now. Mm-hmm. So I did all the sort of graphics on the album. You know, that that part of it has been, again, another great release for me to be able to enjoy doing that. The whole thing started to grow legs and get bigger and bigger and bigger. So this, the, the album coming out in December, assuming it ships on time, um, will be, you know, vinyl in my hands. And that's, I, I've never... I, I never even thought i'd get anywhere near that's that that's really exciting
1: people have lots of different answers to this question but how would you define success for you as a songwriter
0: as, as i mentioned the emotional connection if somebody actually says that reached out to them or i was talking to an artist actually at the Hardy and thing and he's a you know working in a visual medium and he's description was working a visual medium but you don't see a picture or, or a photograph or a in artwork and the, and the hairs stand up on your arms, hmm. that happens with music. If somewhere, somewhere, you know, you, that connection, that's a success. But also, I suppose, on a more sort of practical level, I'd like to get, you know, somebody else maybe record one of these songs. I mean, I recognise I'm a bit long in the tooth to, to sort of be the breakout artist of the year sure. and myself, but who knows. But you may have gathered a lot of what I, I do is extremely selfish you know, this is more of a a, a, a mental management tool for my own mm-hmm. personal benefit. You know, you do, I do need to try and do it live and, and get it out there, but there's a, the, the, the sort of acceptance and the business side of it isn't as important to me. And I'm in a lucky situation that mm-hmm. financially I don't need to. Right. Great. and and I've thought about that a lot in that, you know, should should we be doing more but I think there are always certain compromises that you've got to start looking at I'm not good with compromises in this space other work-related things, yeah, that's, you know I can sort of manage my way around that but this part, the singing, the songwriting the, the emotional sort of rumination, I suppose, that goes on mm-hmm. that is a selfish thing and there's no compromises as far as I'm concerned Yeah uh, and Which it can be quite big headed Really,
1: may tend to lengthen out, you know, the time that it takes mm. to put something together. But at the end of the day, because it makes you, because you know yourself, and that, that's that's what satisfies your need, you're almost okay with that process.
0: Yeah, you know, there are certain things that I will just be a bit <laughs> obtuse about on purpose. It's, I don't know whether it's a, I've got a weird sense of humor or a sense of mischief, but I think I mentioned the. the the drum beats that are on those, on two of the tracks—they are absolutely purposeful and, and very significantly metronomic. Mm-hmm. They do mm-hmm. not deviate from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You press start and you press stop, and that's it. And it's just some perverse satisfaction in that. In that, <laughs> I know that's going to wind some people up. The way that it evolved was 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 me to add some more dynamic to what the songs were, and then the way when I played over the top of them, I just. You know, opened up a lot, a, a, a much better thing for me. Yeah. But I do recognize that that may be just a push too far for some people. Mm. But not only am I okay about that, i sort of doing it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm also conscious that I, I don't really want to sound like anybody else.
1: What is the song that you're going to play today and perform today?
0: So, the song I want to do today is called uh, What You Get. Um, there's two reasons for that. One is there's a lot of dynamic variation in that in and that, you know it goes from very quiet to, to pretty loud it was probably the first song i'd written with you know, from the acoustic perspective mm. and wasn't a rehashed lyric and i really like the lyric i like the way that the, the the story flows and it is a little bit obscure it's not totally obvious yeah so that's the song and we and we actually cool. did do we did do a version of that with the texas mod Crushers. so I, so that's the song we am going to do today
1: Awesome, man. Well, I am looking forward to that. I want to I end our time together by asking you 10 questions. Okay, rapid fire questions. What's your favorite concert that you've ever been to?
0: So that one's pretty easy. I, I by accident, ended up at the uh, Stone Roses gig at the Blackpool, Blackpool Empress Ballroom, which, which I recognize may not be a reference point for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, but, it's okay. but Stone Roses was sort of in the mid-'90s, became a massive phenomenon in the U.K., I'd never heard of them and I had the van with a band and somebody that I knew, their driver pulled out and said, can you drive us to this gig tomorrow night? We'll get you a ticket. Got to the gig, Empress Ballroom, you know, it's in Blackpool, it's on the coast, it's a bit of a seaside holiday town. The venue was packed out, there was cameras everywhere. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? This? I've never heard of these guys. And it just, the whole gig just blew me away. They were amazing, absolutely amazing. So that was a. Still the best gig, and I think it was because the expectation wasn't there. I didn't know what I was going into.
1: Yeah. Favourite artist or band that you can't currently stop listening to?
0: I don't listen to, I actually don't listen to that much music. Okay. But current thing I've been listening to recently is Grace by Jeff Buckley. And the only reason I'm doing that is that Paul Gray of the Dam mentioned when we were sort of communicating, you know, did he want to do this or not? that he, it had echo, I had echoes of Jeff Buckley. I'm thinking, okay, I've heard of him, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So then I, I picked up Grace on vinyl. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to it. I thought, oh, hang on a minute. I'm going to take that. I'm definitely taking that. Yeah, and yeah. and actually, I've probably started exploring that a little bit more. So that's essentially I've listened to I'm to that quite a lot.
1: I love that. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not working?
0: I actually do like, quite, like doing quite a lot of uh, DIY, you know, you know building projects okay cool yeah, you know the fact that you built this yourself yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah I understand what goes yeah, into yeah, that yeah. Uh, so there's we moved into a new house about a year ago so there's things I like to do there I get quite a lot of satisfaction from doing that drink of choice I'm very stereotypically English I like a hot tea okay which is not that easy to get in Houston sure uh, and it, uh, and sort of uh, and maybe a Buck. I quite like a beer with a bit of taste mm-hmm. I'm not a Budweiser guy put it that way
1: do you miss home or do you enjoy like what's the difference mainly what you say between England and America
0: there's certain things I miss um, are quite you know there's a lot of food related things you miss Um, pub culture I think is very different over there Mm. and the familiarity of the the sort of environment the thing I don't miss is what I didn't realise until I went back and it wasn't just because it was my mother's funeral it's the last few times I've been back is that in this time of the year, it's just completely gray. You do not, do not see any mm. blue sky, and it's, it's actually quite depressing. I think I lived here for 30-odd years, never noticed. <laughs>
1: you were used to it. <laughs> um, That's
0: but, funny. Yeah, those are the main differences, I think. Gotcha.
1: Spotify or Apple Music?
0: Neither, and I'm not... I'm, it's
1: interesting that you don't listen to much music.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if I do, I've got sort of old iPod, you know, playlists that are my playlists. Mm-hmm. Spotify, I just don't agree with it. Yeah, you know, I have a I have a philosophical problem with gotcha. the way that they treat sure. artists. That's understandable. So I don't do Spotify. Uh,
1: dogs or cats?
0: I like cats. We had cats as kids. We've got three dogs now. We used to have four. But we had got three small chihuahuas and a, a huge big. Well, we're not sure what it is, but a big dog. But that's the youngest dog, and he's he's still the baby of the group. So dogs, dogs and cats, both of them.
1: How many voice memos are on your phone?
0: Not many voice memos, so maybe thirty, and okay. they're they're more of a, they're more of an actual version of a song that I want to capture. Yeah, and particularly because I'm not sure what notes I'm playing. I need to, I need to at least get a, an audio cue. Gotcha. But I do have notes. I've probably got three or four thousand words of lyrics, ideas, and I've just oh, kept okay. it in one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, the, the the song leaking that I was talking about, where I hit the guitar, that came from that. That's just that's a chunk.
1: Hmm.
0: That I pulled out and worked, on
1: I love that because I haven't talked to a ton of guys who that is a primary just writing, you know, just like yeah. loads and loads of
0: writing. I mean, I came in today. I've got the acoustic guitar and I've got my um, what I call the uh, scout cub scout backpack. So anything is in there. Yeah, that's all you, know, you know, know, I'm still drumming, so there's drumming spares in there and all that. But in there, there's two books full of full of notes. Love
1: it, man. If people want to connect with your music, connect with you. Um, what, where should we send people
0: well right now i set up the band camp page so it's that's philip walsh okay uh i also have a website called our crooked smile okay which is a bit more uh, a collaboration of some of the photography stuff i do in the various bands links to different bands i've been in or are still involved with
1: well i really appreciate your time today and um, looking forward to hearing the song, yeah. and uh, so thanks again for coming by. And well, I appreciate
0: time. it. Yeah, I mean, I was, I've been checking out the studio, and you know, looking at what I'm where I'm going to be recording my next stuff. So I thought Thank it was you. great, and uh, like I said, I I like making the phone calls to uh, to make things happen. So That's I appreciate. What,
1: it. I, and can we circle back to that one more time because I feel like that is a big ethos of your mentality is that driven punk like make mm. it happen kind of attitude um like if you can think about like being in a room full of songwriters like how would you encourage them to have more of that kind of attitude
0: what i'd say is it's very very rare that you're going to regret taking that step you know mm-hmm. unless you're 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 obnoxious and you you get upset and rude when you get you know maybe a, a negative response yeah that, that's not good it's a personality issue You you need a manager to do it for you most people are going to be receptive And you never really know when people are going to say, yeah, I mean, the whole Paul Gray thing is like, on paper, that's ridiculous. There's no way they're going to do that. He did it, and it sounds amazing. I've never, ever regretted making those decisions. I mean, the thing down at Hardy & Nance. Nobody's done it there before. I don't think, maybe they won't do, but it sounded amazing, and it looked amazing. And it wasn't really a traditional gig, and nobody offered me that. If you want to do something, and it isn't quite working, then maybe do it yourself. If a gig isn't coming up, then maybe you... You do the gig. You become the promoter. So, a lot of the whole ethos there is just take control of it and do it yourself. It's either going to work or it's not.
1: I think that's a perfect, perfect uh, punctuation point to our conversation. So, thanks again, Philip. Appreciate. I appreciate. It, yeah, it's been
0: good.
2: I'm not the man You seem to think that I am What is going on? What is going on? Inside your head Inside your head I need to know what is it you want from me what you get is what you see what is it you want from me what you get So hard to bend and shape me I'm not a toy A canvas to be drawn What is it you want from me? What you get is what you say What is it you want from me? What you get, this is what you get. Don't do something you will regret. I am just a man. That is all I am. That is all that I. am time to stop, to stop and take a look at what we build And why we're going crazy What is it you want from me? What you get is what you see What is it you want from me? This is all that you get This is all you get This is all you get